Hello? What's your favorite scary movie? Fear the Talking Queer. Part 2. Two? Who's gonna do that? Sequels suck. Hey, bitch. Hello. My name is Jake. <laughs> Hi. Hey, bitch. How are you? Good. Oh, we should have started the whole show like that. I know. We should have had a whole, like musical skit planned <laughs> but um we didn't dun, we didn't have the time dun, who has dun, the time dun, anymore dun. And during <laughs> during like quarantine Honestly. pandemic i feel like we had time to create elaborate variety shows for literal musicals quiz. yeah musical episodes yes yes by the way yeah if you're a new listener and you haven't listened to our christmas or our halloween special do yourself a favor and listen to it because they are um quite the musical spectacular they are they're so funny (laughs) they're so crazy Uh, there's mono there are monologues dramatic readings scenes yeah jake being the sing sing the songstress that she is a little songbird (laughs) (laughs) quite the little songbird (laughs) (laughs) well um just to reintroduce ourselves my name is jake my name is frankie and we are fear the talking queers welcome to the show (laughs) it's opening night it's opening night I see me and, and I, I like what I, I see. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah, we are feeling the musical theater spirit today. Before we started recording just now, we just spent an hour talking about our our past in the musical theater. Oh my god, literally an hour. I know, we were supposed to start recording an hour ago, but do you know what? Sometimes the conversation is just so good. You know. It goes flowing. Yeah. I know. Those, those, those are one of our, those are like our best conversations too. Yeah. Like when we're like just on a roll, talking shit. Yeah. Talk, yeah. <laughs> doing talking a lot of shit. You know, luckily I don't know any of these people that we talk shit about anymore, so I don't care. <laughs> yeah. They're dead to me. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of musicals. Yes. We wanted to talk about, okay, we had an entire intro of in Queen of the Damned? Yes. So if you remember, if you're a consistent listener, our Queen of the Damned episode had to be recorded again because of a technical difficulty where I accidentally deleted my entire audio. And in that episode, in that original <laughs> recorded audio, our intro was all about uh, musicals. It was part of like a, a wheel spin that we were doing for uh, obsessions. And uh, so... For the re-record, we spun the wheel again and had a different topic, so we never got to talk about musicals. High school musicals. It's time we had to let it go. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to mumble through these so we don't get a copyright infringement. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah, right, like we've ever cared before. <laughs> I know, seriously. We literally have elaborate productions of songs on our episodes. Yeah, honestly. Um, so uh, Frankie and I met doing musicals but before doing a musical actually specifically we met doing a production of rent um but before that we had spent many years doing musicals in youth theater and so at our core in our hearts you know we we i mean i haven't really gone in a completely different path i'm sort of just figuring out what my next step is um but uh we're in your evolution right but you definitely kind of have moved on from it but uh what what are you talking about <laughs> oh oh 
Sorry, don't mean to speak for you. I'm an award-winning performer. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> now, You're right. Hello. But uh, my point is, is that we are musical theater gays at heart. Like, we have a soft spot yeah. for them. And honestly, recently in my household, like, we go through, like, ebbs and flows where we, like, don't watch anything for a while. And then we'll just get on a kick where we will just start watching musicals. So lately, we've been watching so many musicals in my house. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Oh yeah, we watched... Uh, uh, there's a few mo- oh. movie musicals, but we've been watching, like, the live staged versions of... Um, like, we watched okay. the 25th anniversary concert of Les Mis starring Nick Jonas, which is yikes. I mean, the rest of the cast is great, but Nick Jonas is yikes. Poor baby. Like, who... I can't sit through Les Mis. Uh, it's, it's, it's tough, but the music is so beautiful, and Girl. it's, like, so epic. It is, but... I'm Lay Miz watching it, girl. Ah! Oh my god, you're Lay Miz. <laughs> you're so tough. <laughs> we watched like uh, Fan of the Opera, the 25th anniversary concert yes. with my. How do you feel about Fan of the Opera? I feel like that musical has like mixed reviews from people that some people love it and some people like do not like it. Yes, and here's why: Fan of the Opera technically is not great. It is high camp, high drama, <laughs> you know. But I, a lot of people, me included have a really soft spot for Phantom because it was at least in my age range it's like the musical that introduced me to musical theater like when I was little yes. my parents like that was like the heyday like the early like 80s early 90s were like the peak of Andrew Lloyd Webber and so yeah. my fa- my parents were obsessed with it and so I grew up listening to Phantom like as a child and so I love Phantom to death because of the nostalgia of it and it does have some really beautiful music in it too but i mean Mm. the show itself is absolutely ridiculous and (laughs) (laughs) i like that um some of the music in it yeah no i love yeah the music is stunning oh my god music of the night wishing you were somehow here again Mm -hmm. these are like beautiful like musical theater classics now but i mean the show itself is very it's just very it's more spectacle than it is substance it's like style over substance yeah. for sure right. um, that's how i live my life yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i do love phantom i gotta say like i understand it's not great but um i do love it so like what what would you say like are some of your other fa- your of your favorite musicals Favorite musicals, okay, I've talked about this before on this podcast, but I absolutely love the off-Broadway musical Zombie Prom. Oh, I love it. I love it. That is an obscure choice, bitch. It's an obscure choice. I did, um, I was in a production of this. um, (laughs) Yes. For um, the Harbor Theater, so not even like Solano, like the college-related um, so it was, it was stepping out of my comfort zone, Ooh. but somehow I got cast and, um, there were some really stunning performers in it. Well, there was one stunning performer in it, Aubin, Aubin Wise. Oh yes. Aubin Wise, who has gone on to star in Hamilton in Chicago. Uh, yes, so Mama. she is like a legit star and Frankie was in a show with her. Yes. She played, um, the main character. She played the character that RuPaul plays in the movie. <laughs> the <song you> <laughs> Sashay away. That's hilarious. Um, and also, I remember uh, my very first show that my mom, when my mom put me in theater, was The Wiz. And I just remember, like, I, I had no reference for that uh, except The Wizard of Oz. Right. So she bought me the movie The Wiz on VHS. Yes. And I absolutely love The Wiz. Yeah. It's it, great. It is great. I mean, that music is 
so good and so fun and it's such like a such an incredible retelling of this like classic story that everybody knows oh yeah and the movie version is great like who thought Oz could be scary oh I know besides Return to Oz oh my god yeah that fucking shit is scary in Return to Oz but I think The Wiz came first oh yeah The Wiz came out in the 70s yeah Oh, that's right, bitch. But Michael Jackson, Diana—I mean, Diana Ross's Dorothy Diana is Ross, like a stretch, but Grandma Ross. Good to miss Diana, Grandma Ross. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's a, that's a stunning cast too, and it's a great—it's a great movie. And honestly, Ease on Down the Road is better than Follow the Elmick Road. Yeah, of course. Boom. I mean, yeah, they, I said it. <laughs> they exist. They exist in completely different realms. If you're looking for classic, almost like movie musical like MGM Wizard of Oz but if you're looking for like fun spectacular good time Broadway The Wiz is it for sure Mm -hmm. I love the Tin Man song slide some oil into me (laughs) (laughs) did you like did you ever watch the the one they did live on NBC oh um no (laughs) (laughs) oh so you're not a big fan I see no, it was it was cute. It was okay. I I didn't mind it. I, I yeah, I saw bits and pieces of it, but for some reason those those live versions do not interest me. And girl, after I saw Rent, bitch, oh that's the that one, con- that's one of the worst. Rent ones. in concert, that was the worst. That was worse. I mean, they they like had like kind of an excuse because their Roger broke his leg the night be- the night before. But I mean, yeah. So they they weren't giving their all into the performance because it was a dress it was rehearsal. Their run through dress rehearsal, yeah. But honestly, like when you're on stage, yeah, turn it on. There's no excuses. Yeah, turn it the fuck on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I hated it, but um, but oh, and also, um, I do not like this musical. I mean, it's just not one of my favorites. It's a great musical, but not from me, my taste particular. Mm-hmm. But I was gonna mention it. It was my favorite one to be in was Guys and Dolls. Oh, I love Guys and Dolls. Like, I have, like, a... Like, I'm personally, like, I'm not, like, a big classics person. But I appreciate them, of course. But one of the ones that I do love is Guys and Dolls. I think it's... Were you in that? I was in that. I played Sky Masterson. Sky Masterson. Yes. I played Nathan. I wish we would have been in the same cast. Because our... I mean, our not dyn- everybody ever listens to this, but our sky was awful. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I, 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 look, I don't ever toot my own horn, but I was fucking amazing as Nathan. I'm awesome, and you know, I like, I totally have it going on. <laughs> oh yeah, I can definitely see you playing that. That's that you'd be and, so funny. And our director had a New Jersey accent, so I would just like replicate his voice. Oh my! I would just there copy his voice to do my lines because he would say my lines. He's like, "You need to be like this." Adelaide, Adelaide, and I would just say it like him, and it was phenomenal. There we go. <laughs> Imitation. Meryl Streep, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's how she does it. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> um, what about movie musicals? So, oh my gosh, movie musicals. I actually am a big fan of movie musicals. Like, I know I said I, I, we don't watch a lot of them, but uh, or we haven't been watching a lot of them. Isn't, but... isn't your favorite high school musical three senior year? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do love that movie, so I'm not going to deny that I do. Who doesn't? It is so fucking good. A Night to Remember? Uh, That is so good. What a fucking number. That is, they are giving you a number with A Night to Remember. Can you imagine doing that on stage Uh, as Ryan? I know. The the worst part (laughs) about High School Musical 3 is that the plot is kind of 
it doesn't exist, but the numbers are out of this world. Like that, like they took that budget and they ran with it. And those fucking performers, like, were so game for all the choreography and all the singing. Oh yeah, totally. It's amazing. And the leads were amazing. Um, my yeah. favorite is a night of nights. <laughs> the night of nights. Tonight. Yeah. Let's dance. <laughs> Let's dance. <laughs> that girl sucks. She's like how seven did, feet tall. Did, yeah. Ashley wiped the floor with her. Yeah. Even if we're miles apart. Even miles and miles and miles apart. <laughs> <laughs> I love Ashley. Um, but my favorite okay. movie musical <laughs> would have to be Mama Mia. Here I go again. I'm a like okay. Mama Mia is like religion in my household. We love okay. it here. We fucking stand the like the movie specifically. The show is fine, but honestly, okay, and yeah. honestly, the movie is not good. It's not great. Oh, but it is pure fucking joy. It is Meryl Streep, <laughs> Christine Baranski, like all like just living their best lives having the best time like the joy that i get watching meryl streep perform in mama mia yeah makes me so happy it's just so good yeah and um i know like people have problems like yeah okay man seafried's vibrato okay or pierce brosnan can't sing okay who cares they're having the fucking time of their life and so am i and abba it's a fun movie to watch it's so fucking fun we love it we that's like if we're like me and my roommates and joey like if we're ever feeling like we just need like a comfort we need some pick me up a pick me up it's mama mia and mama mia here we go again i'll take that one too i loved it mama mama, mama mia baba baba um i'm trying to think uh, what, are, what <laughs> other what other movie musicals can i think of that i do love you know one that i watch once a year religiously what? is dream girls oh so good Stunning. Dream Girls is Stun- so visually good. stunning. Oh, absolutely! It just nails it. Like every, they could have done so many things wrong, and they got so much right with it. Like so much right. Like, oh I even God. like it down to Laura Bell Bundy's cameo <laughs> as one of the girls in the back of the Cadillac. <laughs> Cadillac. I was like, that's my part right there. That's the only. <laughs> that's the only way I'm getting into Dream Girls is if I'm if I'm that part. <laughs> oh really? I'm gonna audition for um, Laurel Effie. Just <laughs> Oh my gosh! But I'm oh gonna go for it. But I got like, like Anika Noni Rose, like Eddie Murphy. Oh my god! I'm not gonna say uh, Jennifer Hudson's great. Jennifer Hudson is great. I'm not gonna say she. Do you think she deserved the Oscar? <sighs> I think she's great in, and I'm telling you, and obviously that's yes. why she won the Oscar because that totally. her performance in that song is incredible. Do I think Jennifer Hudson is a good actress? No. I don't no. I don't think she ever progressed as an actress or you know. I think her and Beyonce's performance were equal in that. Agreed. I don't think one was better than the other. No, they're both lackluster actresses who have great voices. Right. So it's like Yeah. That's and that and that's no fucking bullshit. And that's no that's, fucking that's bullshit. The one, that's the one Beyonce line in that movie I cannot stand to listen to. Really? Joey says like, it all the time. No fucking bullshit. <laughs> she was just I don't like no fucking bullshit. She was just excited to curse on screen. Yeah, and it sounded so unnatural. Yeah. I don't think she's a cusser, but she might be. Do you see her in Obsessed when she's all 
she's all yeah, throwing, exactly. out, throwing out the F words and stuff. That is, like, oh, God. that is an absolutely horrendous example of her acting. <laughs> <laughs> is there a good example of her acting? The her um, Beyonce, Cadillac Records. Beyonce's best performance, hands down, is Foxy Cleopatra. And go in Austin Powers. <laughs> that is not true. That is absolutely She's, true. That because she because she, she can't deliver lines naturally. The camp value of Austin Powers okay. works. That is her. I think. Have you ever seen Cadillac Records? Yeah, she's fine in it. Oh, I don't I know. I felt it when she was in the bathtub. Oh, I mean, she's fine. Like she's fine. Like it's not bad. <laughs> I will say she's not bad in that. But that's my opinion. I'm sure I will be slaughtered by people listening to this. <laughs> the beehive's coming for you, oh, bitch. Oh, my God. I'm allergic. <laughs> um, uh, Some uh, other musicals. Uh, I would probably say I do. I mean, I, we talk about it a lot, but I do love Rent. It, You know, it also. Yeah. You like the movie version? You like that? I, I do like the movie version. Yeah. It's like not yeah. great, but I do love it. I actually, I, I, having done the musical and seeing the movie, I actually like the speaking in between the songs. Me too. In between the big numbers. Me too. I'm like, I don't mind that. There's some songs that I do miss, like the in-betweens that they cut from the movie, but, um. Chris, Christmas bells are ringing. Christmas bells are <laughs> ringing. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. Oh. Chicago. Oh, Incredible, G- incredible movie. Catherine Zeta Jones, like uh, not even just her, like everybody kills it in that movie. Everybody down to Lucy Renee. Liu, down to Maya. Oh my God, Maya, of course. <laughs> Lip shit. <laughs> I'm like, why is she in this movie? Random. Because she was in on her at her peak, a Lady Marmalade girl. They were like, let's um, just make uh, it cool. You just named. You just reminded me of my other Moulin Rouge. My favorite. That has girl. to be my favorite movie musical of all time. Other than Mamma Mia is Moulin Rouge. Like that move, that movie is so stunning. And just it, Baz Luhrmann's direction and vision. Baz Luhrmann's, his, his visuals. I, I literally don't know what the fuck is going on in Romeo and Juliet half the time. Right. But his rendition of Romeo and Juliet is phenomenal. Stunning. Oh, I watch it every time. It's so good. But oh God, Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge introduced me to... Not introduced me, but I mean, just really na- put the nail in the coffin. Of, oh, that's not the right term. Moulin Rouge really just solidified that Nicole Kidman. Hit the nail on the head. Sure, that Nicole Kidman is my fucking favorite actress in the world. I love her wow, so yeah. much, and she's so incredible in that movie. Totally robbed of that Oscar that year, but um, it's all good. But because yeah. she won one literally the very next year. But uh, it's just so good. I love it so much. I know every single word to it. Um, again, that's wow. not one that that's not one that came from you know the stage. But um, right. So I have a question for you. Okay. What what if you could play any role? I would say regardless of gender or whatever, if you could play any role in a musical, <laughs> who would it be? Oh my god! Um, I would love to play one of two roles. Mm-hmm. I would love to play um, Eveline in The Wiz. <laughs> yes, you want to or... give them a number, bitch, because she gives them. Don't nobody bring me no bad news. That is such a fucking good number. <laughs> That's a great. Um, or I would also. <laughs> we talked about it earlier, and I'm like, yes, I would love to play this. Okay, uh, two more. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Miss Hannigan and Annie. Yes. 
this man again. Love to be that Miss Boozy bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, one of the stepsisters in Roger Hammerstein's Cinderella. Yes. Oh my god. Why Which I, I almost got. Girl and like they, her. I literally only auditioned for that when we did Cinderella, and then they cast girls. I know. And I was like that's not fair. It's that's not fair. It, that's th- not fair. Those roles are made for like two dudes to be Men, in. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. of course, anybody can play it, but it's like, it's. <laughs> What's the difference? It'd anyway. be so good as like two dudes doing it. I love that. Like, idea. can I at least be the mother? Like, my God. Yeah, duh. <laughs> what about you? Uh, so I've always said that my, regardless of you know if I could play any role, it would probably be An- uh, Amber Von Tussel in Hairspray. Oh my God, <laughs> bitch! You are Amber Von Tussel, <laughs> except you're not racist. I know exactly, <laughs> but I think that character is so fucking funny. And I just want to sing Mama. Are cooties? Now. You would kill the yes. fuck out of cooties. Cooties? Are you kidding me? <laughs> She's got cooties. Jeff Cameron as Amber Von Tussel. What did you think of her? I thought she was great. She's great. She's great. I thought she was She's great. great. She was perfect for it. Um, I I I have all this that I was like I would love to do like Glinda and Wicked. Of course. Or, uh, sorry. You're her too. Galinda. 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 I would love to play her. And then um. Then actually, my actual dream role that I still want to play and that I really hope to play one day is Seymour in The Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, yeah, I know, and that is the that is the absolute truth. Like that has always been my my dream dream, sh- role. dream role, dream show, and I have yet to have the opportunity to even audition for it. Like I don't know why it's just never lined so up. Crazy, I know, because I would really like love to play it, and I think that's sort of in my little wheelhouse because i i tend to play these little character roles i'm not i'm no leading man like let's be damn sure about like i'm gonna be clear about that because i'm no i'm short you know i'm five seven and a half uh i'm i'm not some broad dude like i'm not like super muscular i don't i'm not that that matters but it's didn't like, you play danny in greece at some point when i was in high school like that's different yeah. like i'm talking about in the professional world but uh <laughs> In the, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I think that Seymour is a role <laughs> that I can play. Um, so I, I would love to be given the opportunity. Also, I would also love to play uh, Toby in Sweeney Todd. You know the character Toby. Oh yes, 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 yes. He's like, yeah. he's anyway. But um, the the girl, the love, the love interest of the girl. No, the ew, no, that's Anthony. That's like no. the boring part. He's the, he's the one. Oh, Anthony. Yeah. He's like. I hate to reference this movie because this movie actually sucks, but the Tim Burton, you know, the Tim Burton version of Sweeney Todd, he's the little, yeah. he's the little boy in that, that like sings that song okay. to Helena Bonham Carter's character, to Mrs. Lovett. Oh. But in the stage show, it's an adult. They, okay. They, ma- like, they made it a child in that movie, but it's actually supposed to be like an adult person who kind of ha- like has the mind of a, of a young child. You know what? I feel I felt like you were gonna bring up casting Little Shop of Horrors, like if you were in it. And honestly, if we're being totally realistic, I've said that maybe if the you know if we're limited pool, I'd probably play the dentist. Yeah. But honestly, I'd probably be Mr. Mushnick. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mushnick. <laughs> 
<laughs> that would be so dumb. Yes. Or Bill Murray's character if that was a part of the musical. Oh, yeah, but... which is, it is not part of the stage musical, but it is in this movie. So while we're on the topic, why don't we get into this movie? I'm so excited to talk Let's, about it. I'm so excited. Honestly, I've been so stressed and overwhelmed lately, and this is going to totally, this is the highlight of my week. Yeah, this is going to be so much fun because this movie musical is fan-fucking-tastic and uh, it is out of this world (laughs) see what I did you are so good at that thank you (laughs) it's the same exact joke I used at the end of our 10 Cloverfield Lane episode so I'm just recycling (laughs) the bullshit at this point I'm pretty sure we used it and also in Killer Clowns from Outer Space If it's a, it's a, if it's slightly sci-fi, you're gonna hear us say that this is out of this world. So just, just know that when we do signs next season, we're gonna say this is out of this world. Yeah, when we do aliens and signs and um, all those other sci-fi movies that we don't plan on doing. <laughs> all right, well, let's get into it. Let's get into the little shop of horrors. Little shop. Okay. Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> Little Shop of Horrors, released in 1986, directed by Frank Oz, music by Alan Menken, lyrics and screenplay by Howard Ashman, based on the musical by Howard Ashman, based (laughs) on the film by Roger Corman, which was written by Charles B. Griffith. (laughs) This movie has a long lineage. There's a lot of people that went into getting us the product that we got. <laughs> Our story begins with a narration explaining on September 23rd, sometime in the 1960s, the human race encountered a deadly enemy that surfaced in the most innocent and unlikely of places. We soon meet a three girl Greek chorus Crystal, played by Tashina Arnold, Ronette, played by yeah. Michelle Weeks, and Chiffon, played by Tisha Campbell. Love her, love her introduced the film, warning the audience that some horror is coming their way in a song appropriately titled The Little Shop of Horrors. The girls lead us to Seymour Krellborn, played by Rick Moranis, and Mr. Mushnick, played by Vincent Gardenia, who works at Mushnick's Flower Shop in a rundown, rough neighborhood in New York City referred to as Skid Row. They are reading and listening to the news about an unexpected eclipse that has left the nation perplexed. Okay, first of all, this lineup is already everything. Like, Frank Oz. Yes, Frank Oz. Oh, my God. And do we ever get the Frank Oz influence in this movie? Because yes. you are, you know you're in for the puppetry mass, <laughs> um, the mastery of puppetry in this. Yes, yes. Um, and then also, uh, Tashina Arnold and Tisha Campbell. I what, what? I love seeing them in this movie because I grew up watching Martin mm-hmm. with Martin Lawrence. And obviously, Tashina Arnold played Pam and Tisha Campbell played Gina. Yeah. And so I just love seeing them so young and like fresh in this with their bo- stunning. The three girl Greek chorus between them and Michelle Weeks, like killing it. Oh my gosh. I love the urchins. They're so cool. They're like this doo wop girl group that just hangs around on the street corner. I mean, they're young girls. They're, that's not, they're not like selling it on the street corner. They're just, you know, they're like... They're young girls that dropped out of school. Yeah, I, I love that line that they say. They're like... Oh yeah, we're on the split shift. Yes. Yeah. yeah, they're on the split shift. They went to school till fifth grade, then split. Shouldn't you kids be in school? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So good. I love that. 
and yeah and they're they're like their voices are stunning and like not only are their voices good but they are giving performance when they come out Girl, they are, everything they're so full out like in their movement in their faces like tisha campbell's faces, faces are hysterical because she's like she's like 110 yeah. percent girl she opens that mouth wide she has her eyes bright yes she is giving it yes serving face and so this first song that we get little shop of horrors um is like amazing is amazing and one of my favorite moments in this is when the urchins are going down the street on like on the sidewalk and they're dancing and it's pouring rain but they are completely dry it is like movie magic that i don't understand how they did it but it's so cool i don't get it because yeah, it, it, I, I yes, that is one of the things that I noticed and that I read about. And they're like, oh yeah, there were so many things that they wanted to do with the girls, and that was one of the things that like was able to, they were able to pull up. Oh, they always wanted them to be lit by spotlight, right? So that they would stand out amongst everyone else, right? And they could, it just didn't work. Yeah. And so the like, one thing they were able to do was keep them dry during the rain, which is so <laughs> cool. And I'm like, how do they do that? They, I'm like, do they have like a, like a something covering them that was like moving with them because literally all around them is literally pouring rain drenched and they're moving and like it's like the moving part if they were like in one one spot it'd be like okay but the fact that they're like moving with it and they're staying dry is so cool and their costumes are so cute they're like they kind of their their costumes shift from like like normal like street clothing to like these fabulous 60s doo-wop girl group outfits yeah and even their names crystal chiffon and ronette those are all girl groups from the 1960s yeah the ronettes the chiffons and yeah the crystals the crystals yes i love that which i actually didn't know about the crystals i was I, like well then who is crystal yeah well, do you know what they, <laughs> the, you know, the crystals is a group do you know what they sing um I no know. probably covers of the other girl songs oh my god let me <laughs> see i'm gonna look it up right now what do the crystals sing um, their big songs were songs I never heard of, so never mind. <laughs> yeah, Uptown. But the should... the run there's the Ronettes and the Chiffons I've definitely heard of. Oh, I for love, sure, for sure. I've heard their songs for sure. Yeah, they they definitely are more like a recognizable name, at least to me. And um, so yeah, so we get Little Shop, and this is just sort of our setup song that is um introducing us into. The fact that this is going to be a, a little bit of a, a scary story. Told through a 1960s lens. Yeah. Which I, I love. I love. I, I even love the way it starts. Before the narration starts. It almost sounds like Rocky Horror in the Oh my beginning. god. So yeah. It's because it's referencing that old sci-fi movie um, yeah. thing. Because this movie was originally a Roger Corman film from... Long, like the movie's like in black and white. It's, yeah. it's from a long and girl, time the ago. narration, the narration is great. On the 23rd day yeah. September. Yeah, it's to- <laughs> yeah, this is this and Rocky Horror, which I forgot to mention is one of my also my my favorite musicals of all time. Um, both on stage and the movie. I feel like they're like sisters almost. Like they're mm-hmm. they may, maybe they like exist <laughs> in the same universe because they both really embrace that like 1950s 1960s rock and roll doo-wop sci-fi. style mixed with sci-fi yeah they have their ref they have the same references oh yeah definitely they have the definitely have the same references so we start to meet our core characters so we meet seymour and seymour is this cute little down on his luck 
nerd, nerd, I guess. He's he's sort of just like a shy, meek introvert. He's he grew up poor. Nerdy. He grew up poor. He didn't yeah. doesn't have much, and so he works his butt off at this dying flower shop just so he can survive on Skid Row, and um, with Mister, M- you know, he's employed by Mister Mushnick, who runs this flower shop who I think is also struggling because his business isn't doing well and it's, it's just like sort of a bleak situation that they're all in yeah the flower shop is dry and pasty looking it's like nothing the flower the, all the plants look dead in there um okay I have a question about this real quick yeah as somebody who wants to play Seymour okay so Rick Moranis obviously he's no singer right but beyond uh, not being a singer I understand the charm and adorableness of Rick Moranis yeah but I do not think he's a good actor really oh he's like mm-hmm. he's like an American treasure he is what is he um and how do you attract the kids yeah. he's in Flubber right Oh no, he's not in Flubber. That's Robin Williams. That's Rob Williams. Williams. Um, isn't he in Ghostbusters? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, no, like this is this is like the same pool of actors that they pulled from. People love him so much, and like it was this huge thing where people love him. And he like left Hollywood because of his wife. Like he had had, like I think his wife either died or something of that effect. So sad. And so he left Hollywood to um, you know take care of his family and everything. And people. As far as I know, really miss Rick Moranis and his. I presence. think a lot of people see him as like their their surrogate dad via cinema. Totally, because he is very much that. But I I, I don't know. I I think when you dissect his sure uh, his range of acting, it's not very great. Right. I think I don't know. It, for me, it works in this movie. I think he's just the perfect. It amount. works for this. He's movie, the yeah. perfect amount of like adorable, like cute, nerdy, adorable, he's adorable. and like, very cute and nerdy. Yeah, totally. When when he smiles, it like. Uh, just lights up the lights up the screen and, the silver screen <laughs> yeah the silver screen and um but yeah he's like kind of a klutz he's always fumbling things dropping things um mm-hmm. you know and maybe somebody else might have made more choices but i don't know for me it works so yeah sure. but i yeah. but i appreciate and- that yeah and then we also get um, a news report and we get to see a newspaper talking about this unexpected eclipse. So we obviously know that that has something to do with something. Yeah, like, hmm, the eclipse. There's something spooky dooky going on here on Skid right. Row or on, or on planet Earth, actually. Yeah. I mean, not that solar yeah, eclipses are... New York City. Not that solar eclipses are scary, but I mean, you know, in, I'm sure pertaining to this plot. They are good. when they're unexpected. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And um, so why don't we keep going a little bit and uh, find out why? Yes. Walking into work late, we are introduced to Audrey, played by Ellen Green. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. She has a black eye from what Mr. Mushnick describes is from her greasy boyfriend. Seymour and Audrey seemingly have eyes for each other. Mr. Mushnick laments business is bad and they cannot escape the neighborhood. Citizens of Skid Row break out into the song Skid Row Downtown, (laughs) in which they describe the poverty and hardship of the neighborhood. During the song, Seymour and Audrey sing about their desire to get out of Skid Row. 
Struggling from a lack of customers, Mr. Mushnick decides to close the store, but Audrey suggests he may have more success by displaying an unusual plant that Seymour owns. Immediately attracting a customer, Seymour explains he bought the plant, which he dubbed Audrey 2. Two. <laughs> yes. It's an Audrey two. I can't do th- <laughs> I cannot do the voice. So I'm so glad I can that barely we do the voice. professional here. I don't, most people... Oh, that was great. Most people can't do the voice. <laughs> <laughs> he bought Audrey 2 from a f- Chinese flower shop during a solar eclipse during a song called... Daru! <laughs> Mr. Mushnick's business begins booming, but the plant soon starts to wither. Seymour sings Grow For Me as he tries to figure out what Audrey 2 needs to thrive. Seymour accidentally pricks his finger. As he bleeds, Audrey 2 makes a suckle... Well, I mean, you're right. You're right, suckling. Suckling. Suckling, sucking sound. (laughs) I do that when I want something. Ah! Audrey 2 seemingly is lusting after Seymour's blood. Seymour drops blood into the mouth of the plant and discovers that Audrey 2 needs human blood to live. Oh my dun dun dun! Wow. So, um, now we meet our female lead, which is the character of Audrey, played by Ellen Green. Like, there is no other person in this world audrey. like ellen green there's no other audrey no. i mean you know there have been other people yeah. that have played audrey obviously like when it transferred yeah. obviously she was the original so ellen green yes. is i think probably the only transfer from the off-broadway original yeah, to the movie she is and she the role was originally offered to cindy lopper yes in the movie which would have been. Also, would have been. Great, she would have been I good. Think. She probably would have screamed her way through the through the role. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but but I but she's definitely the type. And it was also offered to Madonna, yeah. who definitely could not sing it. Crazy. She definitely could not sing it. I love Madonna, but let's be honest. How do you think she would have sounded? Like like she couldn't sing it. <laughs> like she just doesn't have the <laughs> she doesn't have the range for Audrey because this part requires Ooh. a bitch to belt and. Uh, this thing. Miss Jake is team Cher over here. Ah, yes. <laughs> no, I do. I love Madonna. Are you kidding me? She's my my uh, sure. my other idol. But I mean, I'm uh, but I'm not stupid. I know that she can't sing this part. Um, <laughs> but she not deaf. Yeah, I'm not fucking deaf. <laughs> um, but Ellen Green has created a character that is so unique and like so. It it is. It is she. This is her role so much that she uh-huh. was playing this role up until 2015. Yes, bitch. I just learned that. Yes. On the West, was it on the West End? No, it's at Encore's or... in New York. So there was like a, it's like a big, oh. a big theater company called Encore's, yes. and she played. She did a okay. concert version of Little Shop with her as Audrey and Jake Gyllenhaal as Seymour. <laughs> God, he, she's probably old enough as his grandma at that point. Literally, his mom. His mom. Yeah. When I was little, I thought Ellen Green was the actress who played Frenchie and Grace. Really? I <laughs> thought she was Rhea Perlman. I thought she was like the aunt in Matilda. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can kind of see that. Yeah, they like, they're like very similar. But yes, she's also kind of looks like Frenchie and Grace. Like and also Frenchie's voice, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, totally. But yeah, her voice is so similar. 
interesting. And not only like the character speaking voice that she created for Audrey, like, you know, because she created that very, that. Yeah, like whatever she created, they're like kind of a lispy, like high pitched thing. It's so hard to achieve. It's so hard to replicate. Yeah, I mean, I can't. Yeah. Obviously, but I'm sure a female with a much higher voice than I could maybe could but um oh no you're doing a phenomenal job thank sweetie you. Keep it up. thank you oh yes lather <laughs> that lip gloss on bitch <laughs> <laughs> you quantum me out <laughs> I just love applying lip gloss I don't know what it is oh my gosh I, lo- I love that for you um so but <laughs> her singing voice is so oh. unique because so unique. <laughs> like and, and I was like trying to find on YouTube, I was like, I need to hear Ellen Green sing something else. I want to hear Normally. Normally. And it was honestly kind of tough to find her singing anything other than this. She was on a she was on a couple episodes of that show Pushing Daisies. Do you remember that show that was on a couple Yes with Chris and Chenoweth? Wasn't Eric Balfour in that? Oh no no, he was in Six Feet Under. Oh no, Pushing no. Daisies. Push, I do with remember Chris and Chenoweth. For that. Yeah. And okay. um, she sang a couple times in that, um, but I wanted to hear like her and like at this age, like in the eighties or, or close to here, mm. sing a song. And I had and I found like one or two performances, and her voice is just unique. That's the only way I can describe yeah. it. It's so bizarre, in a good way. Like she can belt her goddamn ass off. Oh my god, her range yes. is insane. Yeah. But. She just she just makes these like really weird choices. Like she's just so, <laughs> she's just so authentically herself. Like I I you know, and you gotta love her, but definitely she has capitalized on being Audrey for the majority of her her career. And I'm like, good for you, bitch. Like make that money. Yeah. A lot of Audrey, like you were saying, has come from the mind of Ellen Green. Like it was even her choice. They they like they cast her with her brown hair, and they were totally fine with that. And they were like in, in the off Broadway production, right. they're like, yeah, brown hair. Like Audrey has brown hair in the original movie from the, from the '60s, you know. And she was like, I, I think that it would be better with a blonde wig. And so why not? And that honestly is a much better choice because this is like that ditzy, you yeah, know, that that totally that like, idea of that the like, ditzy yeah, dumb blonde, that ditzy dumb blonde, that like bleach blonde, like I don't want to say like harlot look, but she has that like she's a little yeah. more scandalous looking, like, and I think that brings us to to like talk more about her character because her character mm-hmm. is incredibly tragic, like when when you think about it. Like she, she has no family and she's living on skid row and her only, her only way to survive, she feels at least is to be with abusive men who could provide her stability. And that is so sad, but it's true. But it's like, it's like an awful truth of what some women have to do to survive when they, you know, live in these horrible circumstances. And yeah, and she even she meets her current boyfriend, her greasy boyfriend at a place called the Gutta. Yeah, the which uh, <laughs> the Gutta. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which um, it sound. I, I mean, I can't be too sure, but it's not like she was a stripper at the Gutter. Oh my god, maybe. Yeah, you never know. And um, 
I would wear scantily clad. Yeah. <laughs> Cheap clothes. Not, not nice ones like this. Yeah, not nice dresses like this one. <laughs> and it's also a very scantily clad dress. <laughs> oh, I love her. I just love her character so much. She's great. Because I just feel so much for her because she's she's the most fleshed out yeah in in this version at yes. least like we don't really get seymour's backstory about him being like really like an orphan yeah or, we like he tells uh, us like oh, i was poor uh, all my life i've always been poor but like oh, that's it but like i feel like we see more struggle we see a different struggle with audrey and it's just really it's it's a more heartbreaking mm-hmm. one for me um, yeah, I, I don't feel as much heartbreak for Seymour, especially because we're no. we're about to watch him go on this journey that where he his choices back he makes backfire on him and start causing the people yeah. around him to die. So, um, right. So we get to the song Skid Row, which this is my uh. this is my favorite song in the entire show, and it is so it is filled with so many good moments. Amazing. Yeah. From the beginning. Um, okay, so th- wait, this this singer at the very beginning who starts it, Ber- uh, it's not Beatrice, it's, it's Bertice Reading. Yes. Bert- Bert- Bertice Reading. Bertice? I'm, I'm sure, Bertice Reading. Bertice Reading, Reading, Reading. So she's a Tony Award winner. Yeah. Um, but there is a rumor online that her voice was dubbed by the actress... Um, Michelle Weeks, who plays one of the, you know, girls in the chorus. Yeah, Ronette. Ronette. So who, so what's the, what's the story? I don't know. I mean, I think that, they, I don't know why. They said that, that Bertie, Bertie's, um, a girl, I'm sorry, Ms. Bertie's, she sang it live on set and I don't think it worked for the recording. So they dubbed over it with Michelle Weeks. Oh, that's kind of that's a because bummer. they didn't they couldn't get her to re-record it and this was her last on-screen performance because, before she died in 1991. Right. I don't know that that I did read that and I I never understood why I don't know why they did it. Um, I don't know. But sh- whoever does those vocals at the beginning kills it. Like amazing. if it is Michelle Weeks, uh, then she murders that and like that voice is insane. And um, da- and Skid Row is really just the citizens of skid row you know downtown new york really uh letting the audience know what it's like to live where they are and like how they operate day to day and how they go to work and work for more affluent places and you know they work nine to you know all these hours nine to five working for people that have more than they do they're like you know cleaning up Mm -hmm. after them they're they're doing the dirty work you know, pretty yeah, much, okay. and then, and then the the lyric that always gets me is the one that is where they say, and then five p.m. hits, and then it's actually the worst part of my day because I have to go back to Skid Row. And I'm like, damn, that is crazy. That that, that like escaping to go clean up after people who have more than you is like the highlight of your day. Of your day, and then you don't even feel good coming home. Yeah, that's, you feel you feel sad, worse coming sad. home because of your circumstances, and that people who are in Skid Row are are in a situation that they're not able to escape. You know, and it's like it's just this this limbo that they live in. Of, yeah. of just sadness and despair and poverty and it's oh it's so sad where the where the where the where the cabs don't stop yeah where the food is slop yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and then we and um jake actually lives in skid row in la 
yes, where the movie, the original movie, is set. But uh, they moved into <laughs> yeah. New York for for the for the musical. <laughs> I have to say too that Skid Row, aside from being, you know, having to be a place where poverty is running rampant through the streets and the alleyways, um, the set of Skid Row in this movie yeah. is everything. Oh, it's like, so this cool. Is, this is like, okay, I don't want to live in Skid Row, but I I want to live in a world where it looks like a movie studio set yeah, of the city. Yeah, of course. This, like, the, that's what I want to live in, this, where people can see me through the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. It has that like, kind of cartoonish quality to it. This like sort of exaggerated cartoon version of what a downtown Skid Row would actually look like. Yeah, it's really interesting to me. It's like this whole psychological thing with me. I think we've talked about it before where like we love movies that yeah. look like movies. Like I movie love that. Sets. And There's something it, classic about like, it. Have you ever played that game 13 Dead End Drive? Where uh, maybe. there's a woman who dies and she leaves behind all this money to all these dependents or whatever and they they try to you have to try to kill everybody in the game to get the most inheritance maybe without getting caught anyway this is like so a party game the whole game? board game kind of okay. the whole board game design is it's a board game oh. the whole board game design is like a set and i remember just putting it all together and just staring at it like gosh i wonder what's down that hallway and oh i my just gosh. love that <laughs> idea of this like i wonder what's i wonder who lives there and i wonder what's going on back there you know i love that right no yeah and that's the thing you see that there's also like a really eclectic group of people that live in skid row you know there are there's all types of people that live there and um yeah. I think yeah, definitely. You never know what anybody's story is, and that's kind of what Skid Row does too. Is that it? It really highlights in like some random people's stories within this world. Yeah, like that lady. There's at the, homeless people. Yeah, like the lady at the beginning. Yeah, like there's blue collar people. There are kids that dropped out of yeah. high school. Right. Of course. There's all kinds of people. Right. And then we have women like Audrey, or or people like Audrey, or people like you know see more and we do get their perspective in the song at the end and we do learn that collectively their dream is to escape skid row like mm-hmm. like i would pretty much like i would do anything to get out of here you know they sing that several times and um so that's where we learn what their what sort of like what their end goal is in this movie like that's when we learn mm-hmm. it in this song it's like they're I and it's important to you know obviously follow the plot of the story of course where it goes of course yeah so we learned that they're... what would you do to get out of Skid Row absolutely and that's when Miss Audrey 2 makes her debut <laughs> <laughs> call me Dr. Seuss <laughs> just call that Audrey too. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do it. Um, so yeah, so <laughs> Mr. Mushnick is like, do you know what? We gotta close this place. We not a single person has even walked into this flower shop. And so as a you know, way to save the business, Audrey and Seymour being a great team, uh come up with this idea. They're like, wait a minute, we have one last ditch effort idea. Like Seymour has this little tiny plant that he's been working on, so, and and Audrey goes on this great monologue, you know, where she's re- you can tell she's really practiced and she's so proud of herself when she when she delivers it, <laughs> and about how um, you know maybe we should try something different. Pretty much is the premise of it, 
and he's like, fine, well, let me see it. And then Seymour brings out this little potted plant of what looks like this tiny little Venus flytrap. Yes, girl. Have you ever seen, have you ever, Andre used to have a Venus flytrap. And he would catch flies, and he would put it in its mouth, and it would snap closed. Oh God! And that's what—that's what this is just like. That movie. I'm we have—I count—I counted for this episode that amount of houseplants we have. We have forty-five houseplants. Jesus Christ! And I know that one day one of them is going to come to life and strangle me. Oh my I God! I just know it. Yeah. You better get it. Um, <laughs> so Mr. Mushing's like, how the hell did you come across this plant? So then Seymour goes into this explanation about how he uh, how he obtained Audrey 2 during the song called Dadu. Which I Dadu. And um, so this song he like explains how he like found it at, at you know, this Chinese man was selling it. This part is a little that's a little problematic. A little cringy. Mm-hmm. Little cringy. The, the girls are wearing. Um, yeah, the girls are wearing these like Chinese wear, Chinese mm-hmm. outfits, and like it's very stereotypical. Their wigs are a little Chinese. Yeah, you know, stereotypical like cuts. Yeah, and, not great. You know. Kind of cringy. We have to we have to look at it from a 1980 something perspective and be like, obviously, yeah, that's not something that would happen today. You never know. I mean, you never know. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> there are a lot of stupid people out there. But um, there's the solar eclipse happens while he's at this Chinese flower shop. And we see this like beam of like green light, like shoot from the sky. And all of a sudden there's the little plant. There's a little planty. Mm-hmm. And um, and Mr. Seymour buys it for a dollar twenty nine or yeah, something. Like yeah, that. something really cheap. And uh, I'm sure that is the worst money he's, he's ever spent. <laughs> because yeah, it comes with because, lots of consequences. And it does bring the people in, but... So, I mean, first we established that obviously this plant is uh, otherworldly. It's not not from our planet. If it's shot from the no. sky... Shot from the sky. I, I don't know many plants that... that, do that? Um, that yeah, that that blossom that way. Mm-mm. Yeah, <laughs> really. I mean, none in Andre's garden. <laughs> Let me see. Um, no, oh. we have some weird looking plants, but all right, all not right. like this, girl. Well, all right, well, I gotta forget everything I've ever known about gardening. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the sun doesn't just shoot down plants? <laughs> yeah. What am I That's supposed to do, brother? Myself. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so then there's, like, all these people start coming in, like, immediately. And that first one that comes in is really creepy to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love the way the secondary characters enter scenes. I know. It's it's creepy, but in a perfect way. They're sort of like the... Yeah. It's almost as if they're, like, devoid of human emotion. They're sort of like yeah. these, like, robotic... Uh, I love I love that. Yeah, that. it's cool. Hi, I couldn't help but notice that plant in the window. Yes. <laughs> it, yeah, it's so stylized. Um, but it's also really kind of creepy because they're like de- yeah, they're it's like, like Stepford. Yeah, they're like dead behind the eyes, but they're like yeah, yeah. It's it's really mm-hmm. funny. Um, but yeah, so then they start. That's a great scent. Where did you get it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dadu, Dadu, and they start bringing in uh, lots of people, and all of a sudden people are are buying Business flowers. Yeah, and just this little plant has already changed their lives <laughs> insanely. I love I love the way this happens too. Like it's so I 
uh, it's so ideal, right? Like they put this plant in the window to attract customers and they come in like, wow, that's a great plant. But while I'm here, yeah. may I get 12 roses? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm like, where, how, where, were these people just strolling by Skid Row? They're like... Yeah, what are they doing in Skid Row, these people? Because they look pretty aff- put together. Yeah, they put a little for, affluent. Compared to the rest. Yeah, to yeah. like walk in and be like, oh, I want some roses today while i'm here can i get a funeral display yeah flowers <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the, all of a sudden business is booming and it's all because of audrey but then the plant begins to wither yeah i mean as plants do i mean the plant wasn't just gonna fucking stay alive but i'm assuming that seymour's watering <laughs> it and nothing's happening which is what we of course learned in the song grow for me so grow for me right. is is Seymour like pleading with Give us a sample. Give us a sample. I given you sunshine. I given you dirt. <laughs> <laughs> so basically Seymour is uh desperately trying to figure out how to keep the plant alive. The plant is the source of their of their business now it's what's bringing people yeah. in how does he keep this high pressure alive? this is high pressure yeah and he's like lamenting like god just please i need you to grow i need you to to do something and then this bitch is like well once seymour accidentally yeah. cuts his finger open and the blood comes out i love the way this plant starts letting zemor know like that's what i need because at this point the plant can't talk so then we get to this like Oh my gosh, your impression is <laughs> spot on. <laughs> I know. For my well, impressions. I'm, really, <laughs> I'm really good at it. <laughs> this is what I do at night when I won't. Oh, around. yeah. <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> and I, I'm so tired that I can't even verbalize it. Like, oh. <laughs> Ew. I remember when we used to stand at the corner of the Castro yes. district of San Francisco and just like, sucking on lollipops. Hey, boys. To, to walk. Yeah, I, I need human blood to live. Yeah, mm, <laughs> let me suck your blood. <laughs> Ew, we're so nasty. <laughs> so then he's like, okay, well, let me give this plant some blood. So he starts drip, drip, dropping into the plant's mouth. <laughs> and the plant is like, great. This is what I've been waiting for. <sighs> and he's yeah. like, oh, shit. This is trouble. Yeah. This isn't good. Yeah. And so um, he uh, has to feed the plant blood now in order for it to stay alive. So that's pretty sinister. And But at this point, yeah. he doesn't know it's going to be a thing. Audrey 2 begins to grow rapidly and Seymour becomes a local celebrity for his discovery of the new plant. Seymour takes the plant to a radio station where Audrey True... Audrey True? Well, who's she? <laughs> oh, that bitch. That, uh, that <laughs> famous actress, Audrey True. <laughs> she's in this? Yeah, she's, she's in this. She's in this, <laughs> yes. Seymour takes the plant to a radio station where Audrey Two tries to take a bite out of the ass of one of the station's <laughs> producers. <laughs> Did you add that? I added <laughs> You're like, I had to add that moment. <laughs> it wasn't part of the synopsis, but I'm like, this is important. Yes, it is. It is. It's foreshadowing what the plant will eventually need. True, true, true. You are not wrong. Ass. Yeah, ass. <laughs> Seymour is there to discuss the unidentified plant and market Mr. Mushnick's shop with a radio DJ, Wink Wilkinson, played by John Candy. 
There we oh, go. R.I.P. I know, R.I.P. Uncle Buck. Yes. Meanwhile, Audrey suffers at the hands of her abusive, sadistic boyfriend, much to the dislike of Mr. Mushnick and the Skid Row girls who plant the seed that maybe she should date Seymour instead. Audrey admits to her feelings for Seymour and secretly dreams of running off with him to the suburbs in the song Somewhere That's Green. During the song, Audrey fantasizes of a world with plastic-covered furniture, toasters, pine saw scented air, animated birds, Tupperware parties, and a 12-inch screen TV. <laughs> As the chorus of girls sing some fun now, Mr. Mushtick's now beautifully remodeled shop keeps succeeding. Seymour continues to feed Audrey to his own blood, which is draining his energy but making Audrey too grow enormous in size. Seymour soon attempts to ask Audrey out, but she turns him down because she has a date with her boyfriend, Oren Scrivello, played by Steve Martin, who is revealed to be a dentist with a nitrous addiction in the song, Dentist. okay. Alright, so now we get to Seymour bringing the plant to this radio station where we meet this character of Wink Wilkinson, played by John Candy, and, um, like you said in the synopsis, uh, the plant is starting to have some carnivorous habits. We haven't seen it eat anybody yet, but it's starting to like snap at people. Yeah, it wants juicy flesh and blood. And booty. And booty, girl. <laughs> she wants to take a bite out of somebody's some booty cheeks. rump roast. Yeah. <laughs> um, me and this plant have a lot in common. Ah! I also eat ass from time to time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. What if that was the plot of this musical? This is the LGBT community yeah. representation <laughs> of the girl. The plant needs to eat ass to stay alive. <laughs> <laughs> that was part of that was one that of that was on Pornhub. Ah! <laughs> Little oh Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> it's just it's just somebody <laughs> dressed up in a green suit eating ass. <laughs> Christ. You didn't watch that one? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So, uh, yeah, so he's promoting Audrey to so more people come in and you know, things are are looking they're seeing like the light at the end of this like dark tunnel they've been living in forever, you know. This might be their ticket out of Skid Row. Yeah, absolutely. And like we said, that's all they want. That is their super dream is to get out of Skid Row. They might be able to go uptown. Yeah. Where uh, the flowers are pink. <laughs> uptown where the people don't stink. <laughs> <laughs> so then um <laughs> So then we we get this moment where Audrey and Mr. Mushnick and and the urchins they uh, they try to convince the urchins. I love yeah, the urchins. I thought those were in the sea, girl. What are urchins? Like a street urchin. That is like a. It doesn't. It doesn't sound very glamorous. It's not. It's not like a. Compliment. I don't think Miss Tish, Miss Tashina and Miss Tisha and Miss Michelle would uh, would uh, call themselves urchins. Well, <laughs> oh, so according to uh, the Wiktionary, a street urchin. Is a child the what? <laughs> is a child who lives or spends most of his or her time in the streets. Sometimes a oh. petty thief or a pickpocket. Oh, that's them. That's so them. that's why they're called the yeah. urchins. Um, that's them when they're not singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> the urchins, they like, they're trying to help Miss Audrey out. They're like, look, like 
I like how they're all up in her business. <laughs> I know they are. Well, she's showing up in public with black eyes. Black like, eyes. A, a Everyone can hear them cast. fighting. Skid Row is the small little uh, block. Yeah, a little corner. And she, yeah, and unfortunately for Audrey, she is the uh, victim of, a, of abuse. Domestic violence. Yeah, she is getting abused by by her boyfriend and like and people are trying to reach out and help her and like hey look like get out of that like it's not good for you but she she has such low self-image yeah she thinks she deserves that it's like that saying like we accept the love we think we deserve and um unfortunately audrey Mm -hmm. has incredibly low self-esteem and she believes that this is what she has to do in order to survive and like i said before it, it, he as much as he hurts her he provides her with a sense of stability stability yeah and that and it's, and it's heartbreaking and and people are trying to help her but she's like i i can't like this is my life and um and and we obviously know that she already has a little crush on Seymour. We've seen it through, through throughout the film right. so far. But once he Skid Row grows like, you should be dating him, then she kind of really gets right. into her fantasy. But it's, it's hard, though, because what does Seymour have to offer her as far as stability? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Brains. Yeah, I mean, he... Gardening he, skills. Right, he offers her safety, probably. But, that, I mean, for a girl who's trying to get out of Skid Row, they're sort of in the same situation. I don't think she wants to be living in Mr. Mushmouth's basement or Mr. Mushnick's basement. <laughs> <laughs> no, she doesn't want that. No, and and I'm not. And it's not to say that if if she were to ever get with the only reason she would ever get with Seymour is because he has money. But I mean, at this point, but it does help because that's when shit starts getting yeah. you know changing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and so then we get to her uh, her song called Somewhere That's Green. Give us a sample. <laughs> I'm his December bride. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I can't watch Howdy Doody. <laughs> oh, it's so cute. So yes, basically, th- this is um, this is Audrey's "I Want" song in in musical theater vocabulary. This is called an "I Want" song, and basically, um, <laughs> I put my degree to use. Okay. <laughs> Right. I didn't know that. Yes. Teach me, yes. professor. <laughs> so uh, Audrey is, she's l- lamenting, or not lamenting, but she's she's fantasizing about the things that she wants. And uh, she wants just, she doesn't want fame and fortune. Like, that's not her goal. She doesn't want no. an excessive amount of money. She doesn't want to be rich. She doesn't have, she doesn't have greed in her, in her, no. f- in her fantasy. It's not about she being She wants rich. Tupperware parties. She wants well, I don't know. She got pretty out of control with that big ass 12 inch screen TV. Oh my God. I know. I was like, bitch, <laughs> who do you think you are? 12 yeah. inches? <laughs> no, girl. You better get that four inch <laughs> window. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. But she wants simplicity. She doesn't need. She's not. Yeah. She's not. No. She wants a quiet life. A life that she has not been afforded on, on Skid Row. Where, no. where she's constantly fighting and she's and she's getting beat up and she's struggling. She doesn't want that. She wants quiet. Yeah, she wants neat and, and she wants neat and clean, which is not something she has in Skid Row. She wants the furniture to be covered in plastic so it doesn't get ruined. Yeah. She wants um you know, construction paper trees yeah. so that they never wilt. <laughs> yeah. And um 
you know, and at this point, we can only hope that Audrey one day gets that. I know. Girl, when that cartoon bird came in, I was like, I love this scene. Oh, it's so good. This is a great scene. Yeah, and stylistically, it's very cute. It's almost, it's a little bit Tim Burton-y, wouldn't you say? Like, kind of Edward scissorhands Yes, totally Edward Scissorhands, for sure. Yeah. From the uh, very exterior shot. Yeah, that sort of mix of idyllic suburban and yes. also kind of scary <laughs> like almost it, I think what makes it sinister is that you know that blue sky is just a wall painted blue I know <laughs> and that's also very tragic <laughs> so scary because it because it's not real it exists only in her mind in her mind oh, poor Audrey so then um, we get to uh, the to the urchin singing some fun now and give us a sample some fun now <laughs> some fun now oh it was like, it's uh, yeah so some fun now is like this like kind of calypso style song yes i love when they're on the rooftop yeah definitely and i love their costumes in this scene mm, so, them red yeah, beads. some red beads uh so cute they were giving some red beads <laughs> they're giving the best in like 60s fashion they're like kind of hitting all the oh totally all like the iconic looks from polka dots the to wigs to the costuming wigs. oh my god the urchins go between being pedestrian to being superstars it's it's such a superstars it's such the a dream cool, girls yeah li- literally amazing yeah it's such a cool um such a cool style choice so the, the store keeps succeeding and you know seymour is getting weaker and weaker as audrey 2 fucking is starting to get huge right and um, they should have shown his fingers like white i know yeah literally <laughs> just drained of blood <laughs> <laughs> and then um we finally meet the object of audrey's pain <laughs> of her suffering and everyone else's too yeah which is uh orin scrivello dds dds <laughs> <laughs> who is an insane dentist played by Steve Martin in such a such a random part for Steve Martin but I actually think that he does this really well. So random. He does. He does definitely a character actor. Definitely a character actor. Um, in my mind like if it were like I would kind of hope he was like a little hotter. But that's it. Yeah. But I guess that's on porn. Just, He's a fucking abuser. He doesn't deserve to be hot. <laughs> but he will be hot in the um the remake, the reboot that they're doing. Oh, are they making it, doing a reboot? I guess we'll have to talk about that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll look it up while we're talking, right. so that at the end we can get to who's the cabin cast so far. Nice. So uh, Steve Martin, uh, as I said, is the dentist, and this character is like a sadist. <laughs> he is. Yeah. He is obsessed with causing pain, and uh, unfortunately, Audrey is caught in his right in his path. You know, and she yeah. she's sort of getting the brunt of it. But then the song that he sings, Dentist, uh, uh, I'll be a dentist, or however that song goes. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's just fucking. He, it's such a bananas. Yeah, he's bananas, and it's such a funny thing because I think people do asso- associate dentists with pain. This is this honestly for some. I work at a dental office. Oh, yeah. I've worked at two, two so far. This is part of the horror of this film. <laughs> is because people absolutely hate the dentist. Yes, they're scared. I, I love the dentist. Do you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, look at my teeth. They're gray. Oh my, they're gray? Just kidding. <laughs> no! <laughs> 
My teeth are made out of wood. So. By <laughs> <laughs> Glenn Close. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but one of my favorite moments, I know it's horrible, but the second he walks into his dental office, he punches the nurse right in the face. Oh my god, he's awful. It's so awful, but it's so funny. Just the, the, how they staged it was really funny. It's horrible. <laughs> I, I actually, I love the staging of this number. Yeah. Um, I love even as soon as he comes up to the office where his 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 motorcycle parks itself. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Oh yeah, it's so it's crazy. It's so funny, and it's such a good cameo. Uh, apparently, all the office scenes were reshot because it was originally a dark, yeah. dingy, blood splattered office, and it didn't go fare well with the uh, test audiences, so they reshot it. Those test audiences they caused a lot of problems, Mama. and we're gonna. We're gonna we're gonna get it. We're gonna it. fuck them up. Yeah, because I'm about to. We're gonna verbally fucking trash these bitches. Yeah, and it, once we get to the end of this movie. But yeah, uh, yeah, it was like it's supposed to be scarier. It was like gonna look a lot scarier, and they they lightened it up, which it works. I I mean I don't I don't miss it because I didn't know it was like that until I read that. But I mean I guess it it would have added definitely a little more horror to this film. Totally. Th- that's what test audiences stripped from this movie was the horror element yes definitely whatever definitely so but there's some really fun moments i really like this shot that is coming from inside the person's mouth which i'm like how in the hell oh yeah that had to have been a puppet or something this is great how do they do that it had to be a puppet and also it had to be like huge yeah a humongous <laughs> mouth because the camera is literally it's almost and as it's if, singing like, yeah like the, the mouth is like or the camera is like the uvula of your ma- of your throat. It's like pointing outside the mouth, and you just see him. The urethra of your throat. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it's like pointing out, and you like see see Martin, and um, you know, literally digging in the mouth. It's such a cool shot. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. And then um, it's kind of reminds me of Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the beginning. Yeah, it's. Where she blows her brains out. Oh, yes. Yes, totally. Cause totally. Very that. Very that. Very that, <laughs> mama. Yes. And um, and then one of my other favorite parts is in the part in the song where they're like, there's like some ahs. They're like, ah. And then it's like a call and response. And then, and the guy that's saying ah is, is actually scared. He's like, the, he's like the person in the dentist chair. And he's being sprayed water in his mouth. He's like, like Yeah. It's so fucking funny. Yeah. And he's like getting closer and he's like getting more scared. That's one of my favorite parts. Sorry. I think one of the funniest ah. parts of this is just like, what kind of dental treatments is he doing? <laughs> like he's just pulling out teeth. He's doing he's whatever he holes. wants. Whatever can cause pain. Yeah. He just wants these people to scream. Yeah, totally. And that poor nurse, she's getting it left and right from him. She's getting her ass whooped by it. I know. By the dentist. She's like, I did not become a fucking RDA. Yeah. So I can be fucking hit in the fucking face. I did not go to Everest College in order to. <laughs> <laughs> I did not become a registered dental assistant at Western Career College. You can do it just so that I can be fucking punched in the face by this motherfucker. Get up. What are you doing? You're sitting here watching Maury. Why aren't you doing <laughs> Yeah. You sitting on your ass. I, I, I take care of three kids and I got my motherfucking degree, bitch. <laughs> So I can work for Orange Scrivello DDS and get my ass beat every day. I'm standing on this overpass letting you know about yourself, bitch. I make money, cash, those, coins. Those commercials You're... are so funny. 
Oh, that's great. That was our childhood. Yeah, great. I, yes. This childhood. And so, uh, one thing about Orrin Scrivello is that he's also addicted to nitrous oxide, which is laughing gas. Yes. He's like, he like yeah. fucking inhales it like a drug. I mean, it is a drug, but he like. There are dentists who have died from putting them's asses. In- oh, oh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But um, uh, this is also the only time I've ever seen Steve Martin in black hair. I know. I know. Any color hair. <laughs> It's just usually yeah. he had white hair when he came out the womb, the womb, yeah, the womb, <laughs> and so yeah, it's like that, that black hair is hilarious. Come <laughs> on, speaking of wigs, yeah, Miss Thing over here with his black wig. Yes. <laughs> he's he's rocking my haircut too. I'm like, oh my god, that yeah, those bangs on his face. I was like, that's my look. Have you ever seen Bring It Down the House? Uh, yeah, of <laughs> course. With Miss Queen Latifah. Yes, I still, oh my I still God. love that movie. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, knowing what we see, or, like, seeing what we see of Orrin Scrivello, you just really want to save Audrey. You just really want to save her. <sighs> yeah, because he enjoys abusing her. Oh, totally, totally. While Seymour closes up shop, Orrin picks up Audrey for their date, insults Seymour, and verbally abuses Audrey. After closing, Audrey 2, now voiced by Levi Stubbs, begins to talk to Seymour, demanding more fresh human blood than Seymour can give. The plant proposes that Seymour murder someone in exchange for fame and fortune, as well as the ability to woo Audrey in the song, Feed Me. Get it? While Seymour initially refuses Audrey 2's suggestions, he eventually agrees after witnessing Orin beating Audrey. Overcome with rage, Seymour decides Orin deserves to be plant food. After Orin finishes with his masochistic patient, Arthur Denton, played by Bill Murray. (laughs) (laughs) In the most bizarre cameo ever, but... The most bizarre. Who had requested a long, slow root canal. (laughs) (laughs) Orin finds Seymour in the lobby and intimidates him into getting dental work done. Orin prepares himself for the procedure by putting on a Venturi mask to receive a constant flow of nitrous. Seymour draws a revolver on Orin, but cannot bring himself to use it. Orin, attempting to turn the gas off, breaks the valve, and he is too delirious to take the mask off. Seymour watches as he asphyxiates. Seymour takes Orin's body to the shop and dismembers him. Mr. Mushnik witnesses this and flees in fear. Seymour then feeds Orin's body parts to Audrey too. Yum, 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 yum. Sounds delicious. Okay, at the top of this section, when Orin comes to pick Audrey up for their date, them, the way they're acting toward each other and the way Orin's laughing and how Audrey's responding and then they take off on the motorcycle with her just legs (laughs) flailing in the back of the motorcycle. I was like, this is like the origin for the Joker and Harley Quinn and the Batman animated series. Oh, maybe. Like, this is like, this is, right? Like, totally. the, well, his laughing it sounds like the Joker. Yeah. And then, like, her voice, of Her course. voice, her, like, that, like, accent. Totally. I could definitely see that being an inspiration. The mad love is what they refer to yeah. as, like, the Joker and Harley Quinn's, like, thing, but... Your eyes ain't fooling you. This is mad love right yeah. here. <laughs> Oh my god um but yeah definitely it, it that could for sure be an inspiration for joker and harley quinn 
and um, yeah, unfortunately, they suffer the same the same abuse as yeah. So yeah, they, I could definitely see that. So then we get this like oh, we get this like horrible moment where like Audrey's like chasing Orrin Scrivello like on the motorcycle, and I know, and like he she fell off and he blames her for falling off the motorcycle. It's just like it's so sad, and she's like, Dah. and she has to like <sighs> call him doctor, and he just has like all these like horrible abuse. Doctor. Yeah, doctor. Like she, she's requ- It's almost like calling him sir, but she has to call him doctor. What did you say, doctor, doctor, doctor? <laughs> oh, it's so sad. <laughs> and then um, we get uh, the deal with the devil, which is. Seymour and Audrey too. And Audrey too has now become this massive plant that can talk that can talk. And, it, and it, it, he is a very sassy, persuasive plant who, yeah. um, you know, really just convinces. Oh, he's sassy. Oh yeah, for sure. And he convinces Seymour that he can have everything he's ever wanted, but he's just gotta, you know, give him something in return and this is that very like greek tragedy slash faustian bargain you remember when i taught you about that yeah in the death becomes right episode, I was like, what is that yeah where mm-hmm. you're basically making a deal with the devil or in exchange for for something in this case again mm-hmm. glory fame money you know, yeah. uh, but you, it but usually you, but, is something like yeah. that. Like you, you did chickens and goats for <laughs> your fame and fortune, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> shit, no, was a train of thought. Oh, sorry. But ba- <laughs> oh, but ba- the Greek tragedy. Yeah, so yeah, so basically, he makes a de- like a deal with Audrey that Audrey too that um, that ultimately loses part of Seymour's innocence. He's yeah. he, he's now going out of his way to feed Audrey to people in order to better his life, better his himself, but honestly, I think at the end of the day, he really want he really does want to do it for him and Audrey. The kills. Oh, oh. my god, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the kills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's just, he's bloodthirsty. Yeah. He wants to get out of Skid Row and he's like, there, but you know, he's like, there's no way, there's no way I can do it. But how quickly that changes. Yeah. I mean, as soon as he gets a little taste of it and, and I mean, but look, then he like looks over and sees that Audrey's in trouble and that she's, they are running, Jay are chasing each other down the street. Yeah. Yeah. This is loud. This is loud. And I've had these experiences living in an an apartment complex where people are getting, yeah, yeah. Beat up right, and exactly. Stuff. And it's like, oh my god, it's horrible. It's horrible it's to horrible. watch. And this is somebody that Seymour cares about. He cares about Audrey so much. He loves her deep down. And so to see that, like, she, because she doesn't have the strength in her to leave him. You know, mm-hmm. Audrey has made it clear that she does not have it in herself to leave Orange Scrivello. She's too vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. And so. Seymour sees this as the only option as well, and that's to get rid of Oren, to eliminate him from the picture. And this plant is offering him a way to get away with it because this yeah. body's not going to be found. It's going to be inside the plant. So he's going to be literal plant food. And so. I love also that the plant knows exactly what's going on. Oh, this plant. Like, is I know what you can smart. do. 
fucking smart. Yeah, fucking smart. He knows everything that's going on. Totally. And so uh, Seymour, he he musters up the strength to go and kill Orin, and he lucks the hell out because Orin ends up killing himself in front of Seymour in just the most yeah. convenient of circumstances. Which has happened. There have been dentists specifically who have put that gas mask on at the end of a uh, you know stressful work day and they maybe turn it up a little too high to where they get a little too delirious to, to turn it off and they oh, fucking God, die. That's so crazy. Isn't that crazy? That's so scary. Yeah, you definitely cannot have no addictive personality and be in the healthcare industry that's for Ooh, sure oh for sure i once there's a documentary on netflix where this woman i don't know did you watch this one i forget what it's called but she she's not in the healthcare industry but she was uh part of her job was to test drugs to see if like that are con- like confiscated drugs her job was to oh. test them to see if like that's what they actually were so they can present it in court or whatever and so Uh she was like her it was like her and a couple people in a lab in the middle of nowhere where all these drugs were being sent and their job was to test the drugs and and to do that they had to test the drugs by like taking them no 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 no. they would oh (laughs) they no they like did like chemistry on them too but in in order to do that you have to have like a control substance of like a pure form of the drug so there's like meth and whatever all this stuff and um so you have you have that on handy well this one woman would uh she would do a little she'd like have a little pick me up during the day because she was like alone whatever and she just kind of went a little stir crazy and then she was like well maybe i'll try a little bit of this uh this drug you know and then it all of a sudden the drugs were it was getting heavier and heavier and heavier and all of a sudden she was completely addicted to all these drugs that she was supposed to be you know testing for which then led to them being like wait a minute this woman who was supposed to be testing all these drugs was high on drugs this evidence is now null and void. Like, there's no way that this evidence can be, wow. you know, used in court because this woman was obviously under the influence. How can we trust what she's done? So, like, there was like oh my thousands God. of 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 cases that were like being like questioned now, like people in prison that were like, "What the hell? This woman was on drugs, and now I'm in jail when she could have fucked this up." Like, crazy. I forget what that document that is. Nuts. That is nuts. insane. I okay. I think I know what you're talking about because I remember when it came out. It was kind of like yeah. a big deal, yeah. right? Yeah. It's a good one. It's on Whoa. Netflix. Find it. Whatever it's called. I'll look for it. Okay. <laughs> drug. Drug. Lady. Drugs. No, but so <laughs> obviously, yes, this happens. People who have access to drugs can fuck themselves up pretty badly. Shit. And so, well, before we even yeah. got there, we have a we have Arthur Denton. Oh my who god, who is not part of the the musical of this, but he but it was a character in the original movie, right? Right. Yeah. But basically, he's this character, which is kind of this hilarious foil to Oren because this character loves receiving pain, which yeah, in turn drives Oren crazy because he wants to administer pain to hurt people. Not for them to like it, and he like, he like dr- he drives Orin so crazy. So Orin does not like this. No, he gets he, he doesn't he doesn't like Arthur to enjoy the pain. No, that's not his. He wants them to feel it and 
fear yeah, it. Yeah, he wants to fear it, but this guy's like, please bring it on. So that, like, pisses him off so much that he needs to wind down, which is then why he puts the nitrous on. And then Seymour shows up, and he's like with his little gun shaking in his little boots. <laughs> his little squirt gun yeah <laughs> you know and then doesn't even have to do the dirty work because Oren does it to himself and then he dies right in front of him but that that cameo by Bill Murray is bizarre but also very funny because Bill kind of homoerotic a little bit yeah a little bit yeah totally he's like bleed long, yeah. slow group yeah it's like really sexual like even the sounds that he's making <laughs> I don't even want to be numb. <laughs> That's the part you would play. Yeah, <laughs> totally would be. <laughs> I would go in there and play it like a fucking Audrey. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to be numb. <laughs> I want a long, slow root canal. <laughs> Stupid. So then, then classic mix-up happens. So Oren is dead, and Seymour somehow gets his body back to the shop and then Mr. Mushnick happens to be going by and sees him dismembering the already dead Oren. He didn't kill him. He mm-hmm. just, you know, is chopping up his body. Just chopping up his body. He didn't do it's it. innocent. It's Leave him alone. Innocent. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I love the I love this setup too. Like I love how Mr. Mushnick first sees him as a shadow with an axe. Like just yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like like straight up horror movie right which is really fun yeah totally i love that yeah and then he the work of light yes 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 um light work yeah and then he starts feeding he starts feeding those body parts to audrey too and she's chomp chomp chomping them up Mm. (laughs) (laughs) see again your impressions are better than you think they are Seymour <laughs> is traumatized and Audrey begins feeling guilty over Oren's disappearance as authorities suspect foul play. Seymour comforts Audrey, who admits Oren's death would be a miracle, but shudders at the thought he may have been murdered. Seymour <laughs> admits his feelings for Audrey, but she says she doesn't deserve a nice guy. Seymour reassures her that the past is the past as Audrey gives into her feelings for Seymour in the song Suddenly Seymour. Oh my god. The song. <laughs> it's here. <laughs> that night, Seymour returns to the shop where we see Audrey too has gotten even bigger. Mr. Mushnick confronts Seymour about Oren's death and holds Seymour at gunpoint, blackmailing him into turning the plant over and leaving town. With no choice, Seymour begins to tell him how to care for Audrey too, but before he can reveal the secret, the plant swallows Mushnick whole during the song Supper Time. Supper, supper, supper time. <laughs> <laughs> Is that on it? <laughs> Sometimes it's breaking down wide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the, the beginning of act two of our show. Of our, yeah. of our, if dun, this was dun, on stage. Dun. Yeah, this is yeah, on track and then act two. So. We finally get uh, Audrey and Seymour to realize that they have feelings for each other. That they're in love with each yeah, other. So they that, can't get enough of each other. Right, that that they are a great team, you know. And yeah. as the business grows stronger and more people are coming in, um, 
it just seems right that they are now getting to a place where they can admit that they like each other, especially now that Oren is missing mm-hmm. out of the picture. And he even says, he's like, would it really be a bad thing if you were gone? She's like, I mean, it would be a miracle. She's like, thank, yeah, <laughs> she's like, thank fuck if he's gone. But I mean, yeah. But to think foul play. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. She's a good heart. Okay. She's like, she's a good heart. She's like, I want to be murdered. But I mean, if he was gone, thank fuck. But I also don't want to get punched anymore. Yeah, so. seriously. Fuck, him. fuck that guy. Hope he's dead. And she's good like, riddance. Yeah, she's like, have fun in hell. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, you're cute. <laughs> <laughs> she's a little shysty. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they and so they sort of culminate their feelings in the song Suddenly Seymour, which is by far the standout song of this show. It's the one that everybody knows. Give us a sample. Suddenly Seymour. Yes, yes. This is where we... The first time she does it, it's jarring. Oh my God. And then as it keeps going, you're it's almost relaxing you're as it goes on. It. Oh my God. Yeah, because she starts off... She, she starts off. Nobody ever treated me kindly. She like starts off in her little Audrey voice, but then when Ellen yeah. Green just lets it go, oh my god, it's she can't even upkeep the Audrey voice. Oh, like it's gone. Oh, it's it's just goes out the window, and Audrey becomes the Beltress of Skid Row. <laughs> the Beltress, the Beltress Skid Row. <laughs> It's so good, and she is screaming these notes, and um, it's epic. Like, like I said, Seymour. Yeah, I, I, yes, I can't even do it. You do it so well. <laughs> I can't even do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and um, no, she's incredible. Uh, that yeah, that range is outstanding, and you know his vo- know. his vocal part it's, is very. It's cute, a little, but. I know. I was gonna say it's a little unbalanced because she totally devours him, yeah. like fucking Audrey too. Does. But it is, yeah. She's like, it is high camp. It is high drama, and it's amazing. And the song is so beautiful, and it is a karaoke oh. standard. Once the chorus comes in with uh, Miss Crystal, Suddenly Seymour. Yeah. Once it gets going, and they sing that final note, yeah, it's great. Oh, it is great. It's so good. Have you ever seen Ariana Grande and Seth MacFarlane sing it? Yes. Car- they did like a carpool well, karaoke of it i think so it's I, cute. honestly that that would be my choice for an audrey would be ariana grande oh she'd be cute she'd be cute if she could act i know but you know what i don't think it's necessary here her voice would be great for this it's talking and singing that tracks though because carrie butler played audrey in the in the broadway version of little shop and and carrie butler is also the original Penny Pingleton from Hairspray, which Ariana oh. puts So definitely their voice, yeah, their voices are obviously in the same realm. So yeah. I could see where your train of thought is there. Yeah. I mean, she has the voice, I mean, when she played Penny. Yeah. <laughs> We'd have to get used to Audrey talking like this. Seymour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a oh, miracle, okay. Seymour. Guess Guess who's playing Audrey in the remake? Let's let's just get to this okay. because at this point we have our Audrey too. We have our Audrey and we have our Seymour. So in January 2020, it was reported that a remake of the, of the Little Shop of Horrors musical is in the works with um, Taryn. What's that? He said oh, Taryn Egerton. Ooh, my he's little, gonna play Seymour. Oh, he's so scrumptious. I want to. I just want to eat him up. So guess who's playing Audrey? 
Uh, give me a hint. <laughs> um, okay, let me see. Um, she, <laughs> I don't know how she's gonna do with the voice because she also played somebody. She also played a celebrity in another movie who's scr- a scream queen. And when she was screaming, it didn't quite sound the same as it did in the original movie that she was recreating. Re- oh, wait, who is it? Scarlett Johansson. Oh my, no, Scar Joe. I know. I mean, I'm disappointed too. I mean, she, I don't hate Scarlett She's, Johansson's voice. I think she has a very nice voice and she has like a raspy alto. Sure. Sure. But I mean, here's the thing though. Okay, so speaking of people who have also played this role, uh, we were actually talking about this before we started recording, is um, the mother of the House of Evangelista, MJ Rodriguez from Pose. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Uh, you know, she is a uh, she's a, a trans woman uh, who played this role at the Pasadena Playhouse in 2019. Um, which is great. which is great. Oh my gosh, stunning! I love I love the idea of um, a trans woman of color playing Audrey. That just makes so much fucking sense. Like so much sense. Well, I also crazy. like the idea of just have yeah having more diversity within. Of the course, diverse central characters. Of course, of course. Um, but but how they did it uh, because of the like the vocal differences um, yeah. is that. They, they switch they just change the key of the song and so um, I could see them changing the key of the song because Taryn has Taryn has a good range I mean as Elton John he has a great voice and in Sing you yeah. know he has, he has great range and Scarlett she's a yeah. she does have a nice alto voice so I could see sure. them switching it but it's not gonna be obviously Ellen and you know we just have to get used to yeah. we'd have to get used to that idea nothing is confirmed right but and i and i feel like you know, this is all in talks but i feel like scarlet sure. won't be the final version i feel like somebody would i, don't I think, think they'll so replace either. her with somebody probably more along the Better. lines of mj oh yeah that would be great yeah that'd be so great um, maybe not M- speaking maybe not of mj because i'm not a huge fan of her acting but um <laughs> but I oh no 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 but somebody else sure. within yeah there are plenty of talented people on do this better yeah um and then speaking of Pose um Billy Porter will be voicing Audrey too yes according to this report yes and I've seen uh I think he he played he's played the plant on stage before I read that earlier today okay perfect Mark Platt is obviously involved in this project of course I'm um, sure and I'm surprised Ben <laughs> hasn't put his fucking little grubby hands on this. I'm surprised he's not Seymour. <laughs> yeah, literally. I'm surprised they will let Taryn do it. Okay, and more exciting news. Guess who's in talks to play Dr. Scrivello? Because we t- I told you he's going to be hot. Mm. Hotter than Steve Martin. Uh, Adam Lambert. Chris Evans. Ugh! That is such a good idea. Right? I don't care. Do you think he'll wear the same wig that he wore in uh, Not Another Teen Movie? <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> I hope he wears what he wore in that Instagram leak. Yeah, absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah, <just. laughs> oh my god, he'd be great. Yeah, right? He, so that's Scott, so far I've seen Scott the Pilgrim. Talks. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I feel like he'd be his his no. performance would be very similar to his performance in that. Anyway, Okay. But that's crazy. Wow. Okay. Well, remake is coming. But suddenly Seymour. Wow. What a song. 
Yeah. What a duet. Hear it at your local karaoke spot any night of the week. Yeah, totally. I feel like people sing that song all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So then, um, so Audrey 2 is getting even bigger and thirstier and... Pulsing. Oh, yeah, totally. And then, so then we have this moment with Mr. Mushnick where he's like, he confronts Seymour and... I th- uh, this tripped me up because I was like, oh my god, oh obviously he's like he has like noble intentions, intentions, yeah that he's like you know you I saw you kill somebody I'm gonna turn you in, but no no no, Mr. Mushnick's greed also gets the best of him, and he's all I'm gonna blackmail your ass because I got dirt on you mm-hmm. now, and it's like no Mr. Mushnick why. The fame and the fortune has gone to these people's heads. Oh, yeah. Like they are out of control now. Now he's like, actually, we don't have to go to the den- the, the dentist, <laughs> the, the police. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> actually, we don't have to go to the police. Um, you can just give me Audrey too, and I'll buy you a one-way ticket out of town. Yeah. It's like, no, like, uh, Mr. Meshnick is gone awful now. No, it's like you sealed your own fate by being greedy, and um, that's exactly what happens because. He falls prey right to the plant. And um, I love Supper Time. Audrey, too, just snatches him up. But uh, Seymour is not not that (laughs) in this scene either because he is backing him against the wall. Pick a wall. (laughs) And he picked that wall. (laughs) Pick a wall. Pick a wall. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So and during the during another great song, which is Supper Time. I love Supper Time, and I love when the urchins come out of the shadows. Yes. Yeah, it's so good, and they're. I love when they go back into the shadows. Yes, and it's very ominous. It's so like, ominous. Yeah. Oh my god. I don't even know how it goes. Uh, How's it go? Uh, Supper Time. I, that's how it goes. And the living is easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the song, right? Supper time and the living is easy. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Mr. Mushnick's out of the way, and and uh, fame and fortune is still heading towards Seymour. So why don't we see what happens? Audrey Two's end of the bargain it made with Seymour comes true during the song "The Meek Shall Inherit." Seymour has garnered widespread success and fame. Offered money and a contract for a botany TV show, Seymour becomes overwhelmed and decides to use the money to marry Audrey, escape Skid Row, and leave the plant to starve. After Audrey accepts Seymour's marriage proposal, Audrey too catches Seymour leaving and demands another meal, but Seymour says he can't take living with the guilt. Seymour agrees to feed it, but insists on meat from a butcher. While Seymour is gone, the plant telephones Audrey, who is dressed in a white wedding gown. Audrey, too, reveals to Audrey that it is a talking plant, which coaxes her into the shop. Audrey, too, tells her to feed it. As she tries to give it water from a watering can, Audrey, too, picks her up and then tries to eat her during the song, Supper Time. Two. Two. (laughs) (laughs) Seymour returns just in time to save Audrey and escapes the store with her. Seymour explains that he fed the plant to become successful and win Audrey's heart, but Audrey reveals she has always loved him in the song, Suddenly Seymour, breathe me. Suddenly (laughs) Seymour! (laughs) (laughs) Keep going! Finish it! (laughs) 
An executive named Patrick Martin, played by Jim Belushi, from a botanical company interrupts them mid-song. Oh, just like that. (laughs) (laughs) He offers Seymour a contract to breed Audrey too and sell the saplings worldwide. Horrified by the idea, Seymour drives Martin away and realizes he must destroy Audrey too for the sake of humanity. Humanity. Did you just call me a manatee? Oh my god, <laughs> that huge manatee! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh my god. So yeah. So here we go. Seymour, fame, fortune is heading his way. Fortune. Money. All the things yes. that he he's never had before are are just happening. And even his, you can tell in his performance that he can't even keep up with how fast it's all happening. He's sort of in this like, right. like catatonic state while everything is happening around him. It was like, seeing. I think, I think this song does a good job with putting you in that position too, because you almost don't even know what's going on at first. Yeah. You're like, wait, what, what? They say that makes Are they singing Harry? or talking? I love that song. Yeah. <laughs> At first, when they're pitching him the ideas for the TV show and stuff, I'm like, are they singing? Or are they talking? I'm confused. Yeah. I'm overwhelmed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You, you're sort of feeling overwhelmed with him. It's all happening. We have these creepy, like, dead eyed people again, like, yeah. speaking at him. And he, it's all just happening so fast. And, and he finally hits his breaking point when um, he's being interviewed and the plant is like, hasn't eaten. And uh, uh-huh. that, that one... <laughs> I love it just plops it over. It just falls over. <laughs> 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 and um, that one guy's like, oh, I'm going to feed it. And he's like, uh... He's like, I, you can't. They're like, That's not a That's good not idea. A good idea. And then he like kind of freaks out and kicks everybody out. And then... This is one of those moments where Rick Moranis, I'm like, okay, the acting's... Oh, yeah, all right, all right. Where he's like, through the window, leave me alone! <laughs> leave me alone! <laughs> <laughs> And then um, he decides to shoot a shot with Audrey. He's all, girl, you trying to get married? You trying to get wifed up? Yeah. And she's all, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she kind of of plants the seeds a little bit. She goes, I wish you were enjoying your success. I know. And... uh, (laughs) And it, it, that's a very genuine line, I feel, too, because she can read him. She's not yeah. like these other people. Right, exactly. That d- d- can't, you know, catch it. Give him a break. Okay, so she's <laughs> kind of like, well, you know, the check is coming tomorrow. Yeah, so, yeah, so, like, <laughs> this is their way out. The check is coming. Like, if, if he can just hold on a little bit longer to this success, the check is going to come, and that is their ticket out of Skid Row. And so he's like, hey let's get married and she's like it's so sudden okay and she's like basically <laughs> she's like all right and then so she agrees yeah. to marry him and and their their plan is to escape and leave audrey too to not fucking so die you know not so fast however it doesn't go that way so she runs she's like i'm getting this wedding dress that i already have i'm gonna get into it right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah and she does she like perfect i have just the dress yes <laughs> so she i wish i could do about it so she she goes and she puts on her wedding dress and then audrey too scheming little that puppet man like that fucking evil ass the puppet. evil ass puppet uh in probably a, in a really like impressive sequence like is like the arm he like his vines oh. extend and grabbing that quarter out of the cash register oh, so 
crazy. Amazing. There were hella puppeteers for this, and they all did an amazing job. One of them was Jim Henson's son. Yeah, that makes sense. His daughter's in this, too. She's the girl with the contraption on her face coming out of the dentist. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. The the puppetry is so good. And and the vines crawl and pick up the phone and dial the rotary phone and call Audrey across the street. And (laughs) I love this moment because she's like... She's on the phone and she looks and the plant is staring out the window at her. <laughs> oh my God, it's so good. Creepy. It's so creepy. I know. And the synchronization between the, the every time Audrey 2 speaks and sings, the synchronization between Levi Stubbs' vocals and the puppet tearing of the mouth is amazing. Oh, it's so good. It's so clean and like just per. Like I was like, wait, is that plant really speaking? Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, I read an interview with um, who? God, I forget his name. Whoever the main puppeteer was, or or like the creator of Audrey too. And he was oh, like, yes, he's yes, like, yes. yeah, he's like, when when you uh, when you work with Jim Henson, no, no, sorry, not Jim Henson. When you work with Frank Oz, he's like, it's a little intimidating because they work together on the Dark Crystal. And, yes. and which had come out before this. And he's like, I was kind of apprehensive to work with Frank Oz again because he's a little intense. And um, he's like, but he's like, he just has this way of talking to you that whenever they throw out an idea, you just go, of course I can do that. Sure. He's like, and then you literally go home and you're like, what the hell did I just agree to? How am I going to get this gigantic plant to not, to not only move, look humongous, but to also lip sync, rap, and sing. Like, how am we going to do this? But they made it work somehow. And it is so impressive. Yeah, it is so, it is so impressive. Like, just sitting there watching the damn thing talk. It's just like, I'm like, wow, yeah. the lips, the teeth, it's wet. the tongue, it looks, everything yeah. is moving. Per- yeah, it looks moist. moist. Ooh. Oh, Lyle, Lyle Conway. Yes, 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 yes. Lyle Conway. I, yes, I, that's the interview I read. And yeah, it was just like, it's just that the puppet is insane. Um, and so Audrey goes over there and this is the first time that she learns that, that the plant talks. And she's like, yeah, uh, it's yeah. And she's like, oh, she's like really taken aback by it. But she's... Oh, by the way, I hope that Audrey 2 is not CGI in the remake, girl. Oh, bitch, I'm sure it will be. Of course you know it will it's be. it's gonna be. There's not gonna be... Pra- <sighs> what are they gonna do practical... Yeah, they're not gonna do practical effects in 2020, whenever that comes out, 2022 or 3 or whatever. Um, Four, five. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> so she's, like, trying to... She's trying to water the plant. She thinks it has good intentions for some reason. And then it goes... <laughs> And and gobbles her up. This this moment has one of my favorite lines by Audrey too, and he goes, "I'm thirsty in the worst way." <laughs> You're like, I relate. <laughs> I relate. Uh, I'm thirsty in the worst way. <laughs> uh, something else I used to say at the corner oh, of the Castro. <laughs> I'm thirsty in the worst way. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you see more bursts in, and uh, her legs are all. <laughs> flopping outside of the mouth of it and um he ends up saving her life and um here we go this is when things divert yes. from the original ending and um yes 
I honestly, and as much as I love this movie, I wish that they had kept the original ending. I know. I know. It's great. There's even from, there's this one shot where he's taking Audrey out of the plant's mouth in the original ending. And she's just laying there. (laughs) (laughs) Looking like she's dead coming out of the mouth. Um, Yes. So in the original ending, he takes her out of the mouth and they go outside where they have this suddenly Seymour reprise. Right. Mm -hmm. And she ends up dying. It's actually not the suddenly Seymour reprise. It's actually a somewhere that's green reprise. Oh, is it? Yes. And why did I think it was suddenly Seymour? And what's kind of tragic about that is that in this, in that version, so she's she's dying, right? And Audrey yeah. offers herself up to Seymour. She's like, "Feed me to the plant," because in order to feed me to the plant would mean that yeah. you would continue your success, that you would continue to do something and get out of Skid Row. She's like, "This is my final gift to you." So please feed me her wedding gift. Yeah, she's like, "Please feed me to the plant," and she's like, "In that way." Once this plant brings you all this fame and, and glory, she's like, I and I'll be with you because I'll be in the plant. She's like, I, the plant, she says, the plant told her that Mushnik and Oren Scrivello are, are inside of it. Yeah, she's like, so I'll be in that plant. So I will always be with you. And that's when she sings Somewhere That's Green because that's where she's going to end up. Somewhere That's Green. She's going to be Somewhere That's Green. Uh... No, see, that's the brilliance of of this moment. And it also is super tragic. And I think that it's, re- to me, that is what Seymour Seymour needs to experience like the immense tragedy in order to snap him out of this um you know this state he's been in to realize the gravity of the situation that this that this plant is no good and that this and that this fame and this fortune is coming at an enormous price right and um, of his life right and so this was changed because test audiences in the 80s before the movie came out didn't they thought it was too dark they thought it was too sad that audrey died and they thought that Seymour and Audrey deserved a happy ending. So they actually went and reshot, starting when Audrey gets saved from the plant. Yes. But going by the movie, so now she's saved. And um, we have this really random cameo by Jim Belushi, who wasn't the person yes. in the original ending. Uh, they, uh, right. They brought Jim Belushi in, and he's in. This is a really sinister moment because he. Uh, this is where you learn that the plan is to uh, distribute Audrey II's all over the world. Yeah, mass produce it. Mass produce it. And that's a really terrifying thought. And and even Seymour's like, holy shit, that's a terrifying thought. That these things that are now, this thing that is now out of control and taking over my life and eating people that that I know and attempting to eat the woman I'm in love with, um, can now possibly be in everybody's house. Not good. No, not good. No, and he's like, "All right, gotta, gotta nip that in the bud." Ah! <laughs> <laughs> good night, gotta folks. Chop that tree down. <laughs> Was I good too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so um, he's deciding. He's like, "This is this is it. Gotta gotta end this." So. Um, yeah. Let's do it. 
Okay. Oh, we also forgot to talk about the Sully Seymour reprise, which is hilarious. When they just immediately burst into like the most the most intense part of Suddenly Seymour randomly. It's so funny. <laughs> and then it just gets cut off. Then it off. gets cut off. <laughs> Returning to the shop, Seymour tells Audrey 2 that he's on to his plan for world domination. Audrey 2 admits to Seymour's accusation as it begins to break out of its pot. Seymour learns that Audrey 2 is actually an alien in the song Mean Green Mother from Outer Space. Audrey 2 shows off its great strength by trapping Seymour and destroying the shop. The roof caves in on Seymour. However, Seymour manages to grab an exposed electrical cable and electrocutes Audrey 2, resulting in an explosion. Audrey approaches the steaming pile of bricks that once was the flower shop. Seymour emerges from the rubble and the two embrace. Seymour and Audrey get married and move to the surreal suburbs that Audrey once fantasized about. As they arrive at their new home, a smiling Audrey 2 bud can be seen among the flowers in their front yard, signifying all may not be as it seems. The end. There's not much to say about this part of the set of the movie really? other than like it has a happy ending. It's great. It, it's a nice little happy ending. And uh, Mean Green Mother from Outer Space, which is not a part of the original musical, is a great addition to this movie. Yeah, and Oscar nominated for uh, Best Original Song. It was, it was performed at the Oscars and was the first song to be performed at the Oscars that contained profanity. Wow. <laughs> I think this is a shit. Interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. He does. Yeah, he's, he's a little cusser this one yeah potty mouth so this is great and all but the original ending was much much better yes the the original ending which is by the way also the original ending of the show which is the ending of the show yeah and um the movie does it up like theatrics yeah and they yeah and they sort of tie it up in a neat bow which is cute i like it they live happily ever after which is great we they they don't really suffer any consequences for for the for the shit that's happened that's great however in the original ending of the musical audrey's dead seymour goes back to the flower shop and um has a has this big moment with this tussle i guess with audrey Mm -hmm. too and seymour ultimately meets his end as well audrey too slurps him up there we go and the and the botanical guy um, from earlier tells Seymour before he goes back because oh sorry I forgot the part sorry excuse me Audrey dies and Seymour goes to kill himself Seymour goes to the top of the building to jump off and that's when he's stopped by the botanical man who makes him the offer and of course Seymour's like hell no and then the botanical guy's like, well, just to let you know, we were just being courteous. Plants are public domain. There's not really much you can do about this anyway. And he already has a little sapling, yeah. a little bud yes. of Audrey And too. he already has one. And so once, you know, Seymour again becomes plant food, uh, the, distrib- <laughs> the distribution of the Audrey twos goes worldwide. And next thing you know... Worldwide. There are giant plants taking over the entire world. And it is a it's a crazy sequence and I love it so much. It's amazing. 
where all these plants are destroying buildings and eating people and destroying monuments and on the Statue yeah. of Liberty and... Oh, I love that shot Me too. of the plant on the top of the Statue of Liberty. It's amazing. It's amazing. I, if you haven't seen it, think The Nightmare Before Christmas when the yes. evil toys come to life, but like large, enormous plants in real life. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I know in, uh, I, I think I read in the off-Broadway production, all these vines come down from the ceiling, like onto the audience, which Lovely. is so cool. Yeah. Uh, such a fun, immersive moment. And, um... So yeah, that it's a little long. It, it's a little long. It, it goes on for like yeah. there's like people going into battle. It's like Godzilla and King Kong yes, type ex- shit, but it's amazing. The way it's shot is brilliant it, because we we have this you know this small set sort of feeling the whole time, and then when it gets mass produced, it feels bigger. It feels like a bigger movie. Like there's more. Um, and it was yeah. a big movie. It, this movie had a, an, an enormous budget, yeah. and uh, probably a lot of it went into this. I mean, the, the budget was big. I mean, it was bigger than Aliens, which came out yeah. the year after. Huge I'm budget. Like, Whoa. Yeah, that, that movie <laughs> huge had a budget. huge budget too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's just crazy that, and again, Frank Oz fucking buckling under pressure from the test audience. Yes, this is exactly what happened with Stepford Wives. Uh, he's so insecure about his products. He's so insecure. What is wrong with you, Frank? Jesus, Frank. <laughs> but um, I Mr. mean, I, and what I like about it more is the, I think it makes it more of a morality tale, you know? Exactly. There's more social commentary there's more, in that. Yeah, there's more social commentary. It's a really strong commentary on uh, con- like consumerism and capitalism about like, like this obsession and with greed and fame and and even though these characters ultimately wanted it to better their lives it it loses they lose their humanity in the process and yeah. uh, ultimately lose their lives and i think that and it's a dark ending but i i do like it and i do think that having the plants invade the world is kind of is more in line with like the horror uh, element the of it, element. which I again, really like. yeah, test audiences took the horror elements out of this. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting the psychology of why it ended up being changed. With, um, you know, when when you have it on the stage, the actors come back out for that final bow, yeah. that curtain call, and so you get to see that they're alive and well, and you had a nice time at theater, and you leave. Right. But in the movies, they die and nothing happens. They're dead. The characters are dead. You never see them again. Right. So there's this like thing with like yeah. you can pull it off on the stage but you can't pull it off on the screen. Totally, totally. Yeah, and I and I think that people just I think have a hard time with with any dark elements being involved in musicals for some reason. Um, you know, and which sucks. Uh, but Bonkers. it's yeah, it's like they didn't want that they they saw oh it's a musical obviously this has to be like more family friendly and while and and that's kind of what it is they sort of cleaned it up in a way to yeah. make it more accessible to like families because they're like oh it's a musical but it's like no there there is a little darkness here there's supposed to be something sinister that we learn at the end of this and i and while we do get on like a slight <laughs> bit of that with this ending that the movie gives us, it's not to me as strong as what the musical no. does. 
the original ending seems much more artistic. Yeah. It seems much more grand. And daring. Which it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah, very daring. And, and Frank Oz, again, like, ne- never one to take the dare, I guess, because no. he just always wimps out. He can never just stand up for his work. Miss Thing, you think that uh, Shakespeare, you think everybody liked that Romeo and Juliet died at the oh, end? Oh, hell no. You think he would have changed that play? No. No. But that's <laughs> One of the great tragedies. But that is the truth. And that's that's what it Yes. And that's the difference. It's like what would do these characters deserve I mean, we love them, but do they did we learn anything by having these characters survive and live their happy life in the end? I don't know. I don't think it's as it's as strong as a of a of a morality moment as like a mo- a no, learning moment. It doesn't have a right. It doesn't have a good. All you get is like this man who was almost potentially selling his soul to the devil who backs out of it and now he gets to live this happy life. It's like that's not fun. Yeah. That's not. That's not agreeable. Like it's not. That's not real. Yeah, that's not real <laughs> for sure. All right. Final thoughts. Um, final thoughts are aside from the original ending being better than what we got. Yep. I really love this musical. I love the way they transferred it to the screen. I think this is one of the better movie musicals that are that is out there. I love the way it feels. It just feels fun to watch. I want to be there with them. And so I would say that I would give this a, a 5 out of 5. Yeah, same. I, I guess this is a 5 out of 5. Again, even with the ending change. If, I, if I'm taking out knowing that there was even an original ending... Yeah. Like then this is a five out of five. It's, this is like a dream musical for me. Seymour, dream role. Still great. But um, all that aside, I think it's a beautiful blend of like two things that have defined so much of my life, which are horror movies and musicals. And, and um, musicals. It's great. And I think the story is offbeat and weird, but it's funny and original. And um, I think mm-hmm. the, t- the technical aspects of it are so out of this world. Like the puppetry, oh, the totally. sets, the costumes. Um, the performances are so campy and over the top and God. I think they're all just perfect. And the, the vocal talent. Yeah. Um, as, as far as uh, the girls yeah, that carry the us throughout the sure. film. Crystal, Chiffon, Ronette, even Audrey. I mean, the vocal performances that the the trio give. Oh yeah, are just, it's just phenomenal because they carry so much of the vocals throughout. Right. And, that and this is a time I, before like auto tune, baby. Yeah, no, these this is raw they are talent. Singing mama. the house down, bitch, and it's amazing to watch. Yeah. Um, oh, also um, on the on the topic of raw talent, congrats, congratulations to Miss Simone yes. for winning RuPaul's Drag Race season thirteen. We got that out there. We love, we love. Yes, Miss Simone. We that, that fulfilled. <laughs> Yeah, I love Miss Simone. So I, uh, I, I, I love seeing her win the crown. And also, um, congratulations to everybody who won the Oscars. Emerald Fennel, who penned yes. the script for Promising, Promising Young, Young Woman. Woman, took home yes. best original screenplay. Absolutely, yeah. It was a, cra- it was a crazy Oscars, one full of a lot of diversity, which was amazing. And then the ending really just shot the show in the foot. <laughs> Because it was great. It, uh, yeah, it was. What happened? And I didn't even watch it. Oh, it's just it. There was a lot of buildup. For some reason, they didn't do best best picture last. They did best oh. actress and best actor last. 
And I think a lot of people think, like, suspected that the producers expected Chadwick Boseman to win the Oscar for Best Actor because, you know, oh, and, yeah. uh, that, for Ma Rainey. Yeah, and then he didn't. And Anthony Hopkins wasn't even there to accept his award. And it just sort of ended. Everyone's like, oh, it was literally, it was okay. just like jaw on the floor, like, wow, what just happened? But I mean, it was just—it was well, just a weird—it was a weird choice by the producers to do it like that. But that is so like weird. they should—they should have just left Best Picture last. I wasn't excited for any of the winners except for Promising Young Woman and um, Daniel Kalu- Kaluuya yeah. playing, uh, winning Best Supporting Actor for Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, well deserved. Yes, I was excited to see uh, her win. I was so excited. Yes, I love yeah. Her. That song is great, too. Yeah, I'm so happy for um, her. Get that EGOT girl. Hopefully she I, can act. Let's get her a Tony. <laughs> right, girl. She's from my hometown, Vallejo, yes, California. <laughs> um, and then uh, I, I am upset that Andre Day did not win for The People vs. Billy Holiday. Really? I, I, see, I was I was rooting for... That performance deserved. I was rooting for Viola or Carrie, because those are my girls. And neither of them won either, and it went to... Kooky Francis McDormand, uh, who I was for a movie nobody watched, yeah, <laughs> literally. And so, but I mean, whatever, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. So, um, moving on. This was Little Shop. I know we kind of got a little sidetracked at the Oops. end, but um, Little Shop is a cla- it's a cult classic. We love it. Cult classic. It, oh, yes. it fulfills our little musical theater hearts and our little horror hearts. And um, we think it's perfect. It is great. And if you haven't seen it, you are missing out, girl. Yes. Because it is what? Out of this world. Sickening. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sickening. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah. Well, I think that this plant has died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, it has. Um, all right. Uh, don't forget to follow us on our social media. We are on Instagram. That is our main source to uh, communicate with our adoring fans. Um, find us <laughs> at Fear the Talking Queers. You can always email us at fearthetalkingqueers at gmail.com. You can visit our website, fearthetalkingqueers.com. Uh, and again, uh, we mentioned this last week, but just in case you didn't make it to the end and you're making it to the end now, we do not have our merch anymore as of right now. We're working on some things. We're making it real cute and it might come back one day. Yeah. It might come back. <laughs> Suddenly, Seymour. <laughs> Suddenly, merch. <laughs> store. Oh my God. Suddenly, merch store. <laughs> Stupid. All right. Um, thanks for listening. So to, to, to finish off this episode with a bang, uh, Jake is going to sing Supper Time. His favorite Supper song. Time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm living in the <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sweet screams, bitch. Bye. <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs> That was the plant going back into space. Yeah.